This is Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Each month, we interview experts in the field, discuss the data, and explore all facets of the housing market. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or a seasoned real estate professional, you will benefit from our insightful conversations and gain property intelligence as we discover more about the key issues shaping our industry. Now here's our host, Jason Mercer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. More people are considering buying a home in 2023 than were considering it in 2022. How do I know this? Well, it's that time of year here on Ready to Real Estate. I'm looking at fresh Ipsos polling results from the end of last year, and I will share them with you on this episode. You're about to get deep insights supported by hard data on how consumers are feeling about the real estate marketplace, how many are planning to buy or sell a home, the state of the rental market, home prices, borrowing costs, and what this all means for market trends in 2023. And there's nobody better to help me unpack the data than Sean Simpson, Senior Vice President at Ipsos Public Affairs. Thanks so much for joining me again today, Sean, for what is becoming an annual tradition here on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right in and we'll deal with your specific polling for Treb in a moment. But Ipsos also has his finger on the pulse of consumers, businesses, and policymakers generally. What are some of the key broad-based insights you can share on things like inflation, tight labor market conditions, immigration, et cetera, that might help contextualize some of our housing discussion later in the episode? Well, it's been a very unique year, unique in the sense that the economy and the economic outlook has been uh, quite uncertain, uh, that inflation has been high, that interest rates are rising, and yet the labor market is extremely tight. Those things normally don't coexist, uh, you know, a slowing economy and still very tight, tight labor markets. We know over the last year, uh, or so that inflation has been the top issue, not just for Canadians, but around the world. And uh, actually, when we juxtapose the Canadian results or concern for inflation uh, to about 35 other countries around the world, Canadians were fifth on that list for inflation concerns. So we can't underestimate the impact that that issue has had on on the population. Uh, many Canadians think that the pain uh, of inflation, interest rates, et cetera, will last for quite some time, uh, that a recession is, if not already here, likely to come. Uh, the MNP debt index that that measures um, uh, how much debt Canadians have and how they're feeling about their debt, it's never been in a more negative position. The Ipsos Disruption Barometer, which is an index of overall economic, social, and political attitudes in Canada, has never been more negative. Uh, and uh, Canadians are just generally in a in a funk, and we uh, saw that in essentially last year's uh, real estate uh, market, which was certainly down from uh, the heights of of previous years. As a mitigating factor to all of this, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the in the episode, of course, is immigration, that the immigration taps are turned back on and the government has the intention to bring even more immigrants into our country over the next couple of years. And so that will be the underlying economic engine that fuels the real estate market, even if we have economic dips, ups and downs, even if interest rates are going up and down a little bit as well. 
Well, I think that's a good, you know, overall uh, look at, at what consumers and what businesses are, are looking at, and certainly by extension policymakers as we move our way through 2023. But let's face it, borrowing costs have been and will continue to be the elephant in the room um, as we move through this year. And that's whether we're talking about inflation, the housing market, or much more recently, the precarious situation faced by some large lenders in the U.S. and, and Europe. Uh, and most of 2022 was was characterized by a by a steep upward climb in interest rates. And Sean, your polling really points out that a the impact of higher rates um, you know was huge on on homeowners and and buyers. And also at the same time, though, how solid the average mortgage holder is in the GTA. And maybe we could start with some of those uh, uh, key points that you found from your your recent polling. Interest rates are indeed the elephant in the room. Um, they are impacting Canadians in so many ways. And, you know, it's sort of an interesting thing because, I mean, Jason, you and I are about the same age and you and I have never had to adult, to use that as a verb, in a high interest rate environment. Uh, so for anybody who is a Gen Z, millennial, or even some Gen Xers, they just haven't had to deal with this before. And so um, interest rates have caused a lot of anxiety uh, for many people. Some of it absolutely warranted based on one's own financial situation and others just worried and concerned rather than um, outright um, facing an outright challenging uh, position. Um, but we've seen in the last year or so that, uh, you know, people who didn't have to be active in the market simply weren't because they didn't want to trade in their two or three percent mortgage for a five or six percent mortgage as as a result uh, resellers stayed on the sidelines and the vast majority of the activity roughly three quarters of 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 those who bought a home in the last year that activity was from first-time home buyers who were really the engine of the of the real estate market um a lot of attention is paid to the strength of mortgages in Canada Particularly now, we're seeing reports of uh, banks failing and others becoming precariously close. And so the attention will be put once again on the strength of uh, banks and their, their the book of mortgages they have. Um, but the truth here is that the average down payment on a, a home in Canada is 31 percent. Uh, only one in four mortgages have a down payment of less than 20% and require uh, mortgage insurance. And even among first time home buyers, anticipate down payments are about 20% on average, with a minority of first time home buyers requiring insurance. So the mortgages are, are strong. Uh, mortgages are secure, even with the recent decline of uh, home prices that we've had in the last year. You know, the Almost all Canadians, the vast majority of Canadians are in a positive equity position, uh, and uh, the vast majority of Canadians can afford to absorb um, the interest rate increases if they were on a variable rate mortgage or if they have to renew their mortgage and will do so at a higher rate. Yeah, I think these are really important points because obviously, as we started to see uh, the Bank of Canada raise interest rates starting in March of uh, of last year, there was this concern that there is going to be you know massive follow. We are going to see a real glut of listings coming onto the market, especially as those people with variable rate mortgages started to hit the reset point um, and what have you. And just as 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 mortgages that were coming due, um, those, those borrowers would would be potentially faced with uh, with higher borrowing costs that were that were unaffordable. But I. I I think it's a really great point to make. 
um, that, you know, if you look at the average mortgage holder, they're actually pretty solid. And, and oftentimes we don't give the average Canadian household, you know, enough credit that their, their household balance sheet is in order and they're not in a precarious financial situation, at least as it relates to uh, their housing costs. But, you know, it is interesting because, you know, while we've been dealing with higher borrowing costs, uh, higher interest rates over the last year, we've actually been dealing with, you know, uh, uh, an another issue for a longer period of time, and that's the OSFI stress test. Uh, and obviously, that's been hampering people both on the origination front, taking on a new mortgage, um, but also renewing your existing one as well, because you can't necessarily go out and shop around as easily because you're faced with this, uh, this stress test. So you've also been asking people um, over the past number of years about the impact of government policies pointed at the mortgage lending space. And, and so do these types of policies compound uh, the impact of higher borrowing costs? Uh, certainly it does. And the impact of the stress test appears to be growing. You know, when mortgage rates were at 2%, having to uh, qualify at 4%, it, you know, it is seemingly less impactful than rates at 5 or 6% and having to stress test at 7 or 8%. And the fact that you'd have to stress test at 7 or 8% in what we're entering now, a um, environment of likely declining rates seems all the more absurd. This sort of you know one size fits all policy, uh, regardless of whether rates are rising, declining, regardless of you know what your home purchase price is, your you know any of those those variables. Um, it seems uh, already uh, out of date, <laughs> and it's a, it's a relatively new a new policy. Um, but what we know is that the impact is taking a significant bite out of the affordability of homes. And people are having to adjust their expectations as a result. Out of all of the people who are likely to buy a home in the next year, we ask them whether the stress test impacts them in various ways. And just 6% say it has no impact. So that means that for 94% of likely home buyers, the stress test is having some kind of impact on uh the, the 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 home that they're going to buy uh the most um common impacts are that people are having to adjust the price that they're going to uh be able to afford the type and price is linked to everything else right so it's linked to the type of house whether you know if they were looking at a, at a single detached home and otherwise we'd be able to afford it except the stress test says you can't uh they may have to th therefore look at a semi or a townhouse as a result um, it's impacting the mortgage type and length of maybe longer amortization periods for, for some people than they otherwise uh, uh, might require in order to qualify without the stress test. It's impacting size of down payments uh, for some people and for others, uh, which may be the, the ultimate compromise, the location uh, where they're maybe not looking in the community that they are hoping to buy in, but further afield uh, from their desired location. You know, it, it these are all numbers right now, but when you're in a when you're searching for your dream home and you're having to compromise on so many different things, uh, that can really um have an impact on on where you end up and the type of, of home that you end up living in. Yeah, I mean again, it's a it's a really important point, not only of borrowing costs. Uh, the increase in borrowing costs had an impact, but so too has been navigating the the, the public policy waters that uh, that 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 surround uh, borrowing in Canada as well. And and you know I don't think anyone's saying that you know prudent uh, uh, borrowing practices you know haven't 
really helped us over the long term, thinking back to 2008, 2009, and, and, and even over the last year. But at the same time, you know, I'd argue that there, there certainly is room uh, for a little bit more flexibility uh, in, in how some of these policies are applied, especially as it relates to, you know, where we stand in the economic cycle, the interest rate cycle, and what have you. And, you know, in, in your previous answer, I think you kind of answered, uh, um, you know, part of my, my, my next question, and, and that's about, you know, moving beyond the initial impact of borrowing costs in the spring and summer of last year, your polling actually suggests that, you know, some of those buyers that are would-be buyers that initially moved to the sidelines um, are actually, you know, probably coming to terms with higher borrowing costs now, and they're looking at moving back into the marketplace as we move through uh, 2023. And again, I think you've mentioned some of the factors, but, you know, what do you think is playing into this? Well, I think some are feeling that the worst may be behind us, uh, that interest rates have, uh, have peaked and are going to start heading downwards. Um, we're seeing that in the popularity of variable rate mortgages with um, uh, roughly four in 10 actually likely buyers saying that they're going to look at variable rate, rate mortgages. That's higher than we've, than we've uh, ever measured actually in, in since 2015, since we've been uh, polling on these issues uh, for you. Um, but there's another factor, and it may be that resellers who were on the sidelines given lower housing prices are now getting a little bit more excited about the potential of listing their home. Uh, and uh, it actually could be uh, not just to upgrade or buy another home, but for those people who, you know, may be looking to move into, you know, um, a retirement community or or other uh, other housing arrangement and, and essentially exit the market, last year was not an excellent time for them to maximize uh, on their investment. But if if housing prices are, are uh, starting to rebound, they may be once again uh, investigating that uh, that particular option. Yeah, and thinking about, you know, the, the different cohorts, I guess you could say, or, or groups of intending home buyers, you know, first time buyers have always been really important if you think about the, the GTA housing market. And, you know, the first few years that that you had done this polling for us starting back in, in 2015, you know, we we're seeing that, you know, 50%, even above 50% of intending home buyers in a given year uh, would be first timers. Um, now that dipped a little bit over the last couple of years because of affordability issues, just just in relation to higher home prices, and then obviously higher borrowing costs started to have an impact as well. But it's interesting, you know, two years ago we were seeing that only 39% of intending buyers were going to be first timers, and and that ticked upwards, you know, quite noticeably to about 46% um, in the latest round of, of of polling. And so, you know, what are the I guess more distinct issues and choices that that a first-time buyer is looking at say over the next year um you know versus just a you know a, a buyer that's been in the market with at least one purchase in the past well that's it's a good question uh, because a lot of the the health of the market uh and particularly affordability is determined by whether or not these first-time home buyers can actually get into the market and and buy a home when that figure is in the 30s meaning that uh, well less than half of the activity would be among first-time home buyers, something's out of kilter, right? There's just not enough supply. Uh, housing prices are are, are too high. Uh, maybe uh, borrowing costs are too high, whatever the case may be. So the fact that it's now getting back closer to about 50%, which I think has been our natural resting point, is a really good sign 
uh, for balanced growth in the in the market. Um, and and surely the, the 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 rental market itself is having an impact on first time home buyers and their increasing propensity to to buy a home. One in three uh, renters, so people who are currently renting, one in three of them say they just simply will not tolerate more price increases in, in their rental. Uh, and as a result, they're already seriously considering the purchase of a home. Now, they may not be able to make it work at 6% plus a stress test, but if those rates start to edge down, a lot of them are going to be licking their lips, you know, trying to, 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 to save up that down payment saying, now may be the time for me to, to, get, uh, to get into the market. So I think that's a big, a big driving factor. But I think that the fact that the market is starting to price in interest rate declines and, you know, with the Silicon Valley Bank collapse just recently, it seems even more likely. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be a, uh, a a combination here of lower housing prices, uh, which are good for first-time home buyers, and more than likely soon to be declining interest rates. And this is really going to represent a sweet spot for first-time home buyers, right? We haven't had that uh, that mix in a while of you know relatively lower prices and relatively lower or lowering interest rates, particularly if people are willing to take a little bit of risk and uh, and go into a variable rate uh, mortgage where they can increase their, their their savings as rates potentially decline. Yeah, and I think I think the that sort of rental ownership dichotomy as it relates to first time buyers is really important because it it really highlights how quickly the market can change. Because if you think a couple of years ago, you know, we were still seeing relatively high vacancy rates that 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 came out of the initial phase of the pandemic uh, and what have you, and that was both in 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 the purpose built rental side of the market, but also that secondary investor held you know condominium apartment side uh, of of the rental market as well. And so there was a little bit less concern that as we see the population grow and people and, and people continue to move to the GTA um, that there would there would be housing available you may not purchase a home you may rent a home in, in, instead and that's fine but now we're talking about you know if you look at the CMAC statistics you know a dramatic decline um, in, in vacancy rates um, in, in both sides of the market. And so again, it really just underpins the, the fact that we need to see more supply both on the housing side uh, or the ownership side, sorry, and the rental sides of the, of the, of the market. And, and, and that kind of gets me to my, my next question because you know right now we're seeing double digit year over year declines in listings. Um, but your polling suggests that we may see a little bit of relief on the horizon um, with, with listing intentions up uh, in comparison to last year. So maybe drill into that uh, in a little bit more detail, uh, particularly maybe we can segment a little bit in terms of you know the different housing types and, and where we see more listing activity versus less. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Uh, resellers were on the sidelines in a high interest rate environment. If you didn't have to move, you just simply didn't move. You know, why would I take on higher interest debt if I if I if I didn't have to? Um, some of those fixed rate mortgages are coming up now, and so if their rate is going up anyway, you know, now might be the might right time to move and 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 list their home. So that's that's a factor. Also, with prices looking like they're starting to edge up, uh, those who were holding on may now think it's a better time to cash in on on their investment. But a lot of the activity that is likely to come online is those who are looking to upgrade. Those who have been patient over the last couple of years or maybe weathering the pandemic. Uh, for example, 
nearly one quarter of all uh, intending listings look to be in the townhouse or the row house segment, which is up significantly. Normally, it's in the sort of mid to high teens. So it, it, it's up, it, you know, 24% is a significant increase over any previous year that we've that we've looked at. Um, condos and semi-detached are holding steady. So if one segment's up, the others are steady, another one is down. And that is the coveted single detached home. Those homeowners are staying put. Uh, listing intentions for that stock is down. And this is likely to put some pressure on prices for that very um, still uh, the, the, the number one home that people desire at about 50% of all uh, likely purchasers, single family homes. So we may see some tightening there. Yeah, I think it's, you know, by and large, it's, it's great to see that listing intentions are up in comparison to, to, to previous years. But at the same time, I think it's also important to point out that you know, we've been kind of in a holding pattern over the better part of the last decade. And a lot of that's also had to do um, with, with, with uh, a flattening trend in terms of home construction, especially when you look at that vis-a-vis -vis population growth and also the fact that you know a lot of housing that traditionally would have been pointed at the ownership market in the GTA actually finds its way um, into the investor-held uh, uh, rental space as well. And so you know, looking forward, as we see continued population growth, as we start to see some of those would-be home buyers that move to the, the sidelines uh, start to come back into the marketplace. Um, my sense is that, you know, especially as you move into the second half of this year, you're going to see increasing competition between home buyers. And, and that's going to start to see upward pressure um, on, 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 on home prices. And, you know, sort of thinking again about sort of market segments and, and that sort of dichotomy between listing intentions and buying intentions, you know, what segments do you think are, are, are going to be most, um, most competitive, I guess you could say, uh, in the second half of this year? And, and, you know, maybe even think about that through the lens of first-time buyers as well. Well, I think there are going to be two uh, sort of competing factors that will drive growth across you know, different areas of the segment, which will essentially look like a broad-based um, increase. The first, of course, is first-time home buyers, And we have to think about the kind of stock that they are generally looking at. Uh, they are a little bit more interested in the 416 and the 905, for example, uh, a little bit more interested in condos, uh, in, in townhomes or row homes, again, because that price point is, is usually more attractive to first-time home buyers. So that takes care of that part of the segment. And then the other segment that I think is going to be more active is these upgraders. Um, interest in a single family home, a single detached home remains strong. For many, it's the first time in a while that that category of stock has been relatively affordable. You know, it hasn't been over the last couple of years for many, many people. And so people will seize this unique moment in time to climb the ladder. And with the tight supply of single family homes um, already, we can't build them as fast as people want them. It looks like listing intentions um, uh, aren't going to grow in that stock the same as they are uh, with, with, with other homes. Uh, all of this portends rising prices in that single detached home category. Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, looking forward not only through 2023, but also as we move you know, through 2024 and beyond, 
Um, you know, over over the next few years, immigration is going to be a major driver of housing demand. Uh, and, and so what does this rapidly expanding population mean for, for supply in the strap market? And, and, and where are these newcomers uh, going to be settling? And, and what types of, types of homes are they going to be looking for? And I think this kind of brings us back not only to the housing story that we've discussed and whether people are you know, going to be getting into the rental market or whether they're going to be entering the, 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 the home ownership market. But I think it also you know, gets us back to your sort of broader based comments at, at the beginning of this episode. You know, as we see households continue to grow and 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 you know we we have to we have to you know admit that our economy doesn't grow in the gta we don't have economic development but for for population growth so it, so it's a requirement um but at the same time all these people need a place to live so how do you see that unfolding uh, well that that will be the the overarching engine for uh growth in prices uh in the short term medium term long term you know as long as canada needs immigration and continues to uh foster it um the the you know prices will likely continue to rise uh when Newcomers to Canada come, they tend to settle in the downtown cores. Toronto is a very welcoming place. There are many diaspora uh, for uh, that are very welcoming to, to newcomers to Canada. So they tend to settle in the core. Uh, and, you know, just like a lot of people ultimately are looking for uh, you know, a detached home on a nice, quiet piece of land in the burbs. So they they settle in the core, and then when they when they you know get their their feet under them here in 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 their new home, they start to look for a more permanent home, and they they start to move out to the to the suburbs. Um, as you noted, increased immigration targets, our inability to build homes fast enough. All of this means that the underlying drivers of price growth will remain intact for the foreseeable future, unless we close off the taps, which just can't happen because our our population will shrink, our economies will shrink. Um, all of this means that immigration will continue as it should, and unless we can build homes as quickly as 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 people want to settle in the GTA, which we seem to not be able to do, uh, then that will continue to, to to drive interest in the real estate market. And over the long term, too, I mean, this really does have a a greater impact on the ownership market. And thinking back to you know some of the the polling questions you asked for us a couple of survey cycles ago, where you're looking specifically at immigrant households, and they have a higher propensity uh, to, to to purchase a home than do people that were born here, right? Yes, that that's right. In fact, uh, you know, the vast majority of them will eventually buy. Uh, maybe not right off the bat. Some do, but most will rent for a period of time. Uh, and so, if we're thinking about that that rental market, the you know craziness. I don't know how else to describe it. The craziness that we have seen in that market over the last year or so will continue. Um, and part of the issue is that uh, owners of investment of rental stock, uh, investors, condo investors by and large, they're more sensitive to uh, everything else that's happening around them: interest rates, government policies. Uh, and as a result, they're more likely to say they'll just sell. You know, if we're putting vacancy taxes, they'll just sell. If we're putting uh, more regulations on the use of their properties for uh, short-term rentals, like Airbnb, for example, they'll just sell. Um, if interest rates continue to stay high, they'll just sell. And if this happens, that's a problem because the already tight uh, rental market will become tighter, vacancies will diminish, and rental prices will be driven even higher, making uh, 
Toronto, the GTA, not just less affordable for homeowners, but for renters as well. And that's the last thing we want to see happen. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to end on. I mean, there's an economic development imperative to housing, and especially on the housing supply side. Like, there's so many reasons why people would want to move to the GTA and surrounding Greater Golden Horseshoe from, from all around the world. But, but these people need a place to live. Uh, and, and ultimately, if you can't find a place to live in the GTA or surrounding GGH, then companies and the people that want to come here and, and, and work for them, they're going to start to look elsewhere. And that elsewhere may not even be in Ontario or Canada or even North America. And so, you know, getting the housing situation right, getting the hu housing supply file right, uh, you know, will be very important as we move as we move forward. So Sean Simpson from Ipsos, we could go on for hours and we've certainly covered a lot of ground today. There are so many moving pieces impacting the ownership and rental markets. If nothing else, 2023 is going to be a very interesting year. Unfortunately, we're out of time, so we'll have to pick this conversation up again another day. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show today. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Ready to Real Estate on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B.ca to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in.